This is the Reflector Reflections podcast. My name is Annie. Join me as we journey around the world talking with fellow human design reflectors as they experiment and navigate their unique design. Today's beautiful conversation is with Donnelly. Donnelly is a 4-6 reflector. She's an author and a speaker specializing in human behavior and how it impacts your success or stagnates your results. Welcome, Donnelly. Thank you so very much for having me. You're welcome. I want to I ask you the normal questions that I normally ask as I lead in, but because we just off air, we're chatting about something, let's just go straight into that and we'll get back to it. So we were just talking off air and I was running your chart and I said, my birth mother was born in the same year as you. And, and you were saying to me that that I can. Think, yeah, I was saying to you, um, wow, well, what a beauty in that, that I get to bring to your audience, to your listeners, what time in the experience, time in knowing my design and living my design, you know, has to bring us because I feel just like a, a great bottle of wine or good food. We don't want it all on our doorstep tomorrow, right? Everything's in little bitty bites and pieces and we chunk it down so we can enjoy it and process it. And life's no different. Mm. So learning to maneuver, um, learning to adjust, learning to love your blueprint right takes time and I, I I have to be really honest and say I just had a birthday um Tuesday of last week and I turned 64 happy birthday and thank you and I don't feel it I don't think I look it I know I don't act it and and yet the wisdom the intelligence the learning that's calm wow I wouldn't want to go back to 16 ever right like yeah yeah, it's there's a beauty in all of it so I do hope that the listeners you know all start to cherish exactly where they are on the journey Mm. because that's what we're here for we're really here to dig this enjoy this and learn to have fun with it and settle in to where, where it feels good and not judge. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. All right. I do this. Let's journey. Let's yes. take a little journey. Let's go back. How did you find human design or how did human design find you? Human design found me the day after my birthday in 2019. Not that long ago. No. But I was already on a spiritual growth and development path. I was already miserable in my judgment of everything. Like it, it really, really was judgment to everything. I'm a four six. So as we know, the six has these varied, unique ways of living their life and that trial and error, that making mistakes, finding out as a reflector and that I was supposed to do all that was like, oh. Hallelujah. There was a big freedom in in like, wow. Wow. 
I had three DWIs, uh, drinking while under the influence of alcohol. Yeah. Um, and anybody who knows about addictions knows that an addiction is really just the way we numb dealing with our pain, our emotions. And I too knew that, like, even when I was deep in drinking obsessively, I knew that the minute I could pause and deal with my emotional baggage, I could stop. I could stop. And and, and and it was that work that brought me to most of my healing, but it was also a beautiful awareness and knowing that, oh, wow, I've been leaning in to these parts of me all along, yeah. all along. But there is something in the validation, like there's a, a part of us in the human experience that likes to know the science behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Know the reasoning. And I think that's what really came in 2019 for me yeah yeah and how did you we'll go on later and share that beautiful story that you were mentioning there um because I really would love to hear that but how did that feel like you found this you've you've pulled this chart up you found this like how did that feel for you it was freedom it was validation and freedom like knowing everything I'd gone through was beautifully orchestrated and designed for me in this life. Like all those errors, mistakes that other people that I thought, and, and keep in mind, I thought other people judged me for, right? Um, getting pregnant out of wedlock, 3 DWIs, right? Like all these things that society um, says needs to look a certain way. I was, I was here to be a rebel, to do my own way, to live my own design, to know what that meant for me and not feel pressured by society. So there was a an innate knowingness that came through as freedom, as see, see, like you should have been listening all along, but society tells us what normal looks like. Well, that's it. And you didn't have anybody to guide you. So, and yeah. discovering it and and I mean all due respect here, but, you know, finding this out later in life, I've often said this on on the podcast when I'm talking, I have a friend of mine, she calls us vintage. I don't know (laughs) if I fall into the vintage category yet because I'm still, you know, I'm only 47. So I'm like, can I I please have vintage? But I I digress. Um, She sort of said, you know, and we've spoken about finding this later in life can be so hard because we've got to go back and unpack a lot of our life and a lot of that conditioning. And just listening to you talk about, you know, the drinking under the influence charges and things like that. It's just like, I get that. Like I, not that I had that, but I get that. I get that you, you're running and you're just, you're just influenced by everything and trying to numb and. Yeah. And this is not just 20 years of life. This is probably what, 50 years of life living yeah. what well, I'm air, air quoting here, but you know, not self yeah. to use the language, but so journey, journey with me again, Donnelly yeah. growing up, what was that like for you? What was your life like? Would you like to yeah. share? You don't have to share, but if you'd like to share, we'd love to hear. Childhood yeah. for me is how it was real. How like, 
I was, I was the middle child in between an older and younger brother. And my dad was like the controller of the family. And my mom did exactly what he said. If I asked my mom if I could go to a friend's house, she had to ask my dad. Well, I learned real quick, she didn't matter. I had to go to the source, right? But I also learned that to get his attention, I had to do things his way. So I had to conform and oblige. But my dad was a jokester. He told a little joke that I didn't come from mommy's tummy, that he won me in a crap game and he was the loser. And I grew up with my own personal wound of feeling unwarranted, unvalued, rejected. And I was this little girl who tried to run away five times before she was 10. And I took that wound into childhood. And it wasn't until I started getting into astrology that I found out my Chiron was in the 10th house and it's all about rejection. And I was like, oh my God, and I've been taking it so personal. Like that was just part of my blueprinting, part of what I came here to overcome, part of what was written into my code so I could heal from past karma and different things. So therein started the journey of learning more of why I was programmed with. Um, my real healing and work came when I decided to take myself down a being a student in A Course in Miracles. And if you're familiar with A Course in Miracles, it's a year long study. And man, I was this diligent student who when, when the lesson of the day was to practice this every quarter of an hour, I literally set alerts and alarms on my phone every 15 minutes to recite and read that passage, right? Yes. So talk about mind training. Um, what A Course in Miracles really is, is a deep course of mind training. And it's yes. removing the old conditioning and putting forth a new one that you are love and you are loved and you're one with your creator and nothing can block you from that. And that was really the healing I needed to heal that rejection that I brought with me, right? Um, but I didn't make the rejection up either. Um, my mother just passed. Um, what is this, December? She passed 11-11 at 11-11 p.m. Wow. Just, just now, just this year. Yeah, just one month ago today. Today's the 11th. And I was gifted with the privilege of sitting with her through that end of life. Um, my dad hadn't really allowed me in to be in their life much prior to that, or at least over the last decade or so, maybe two decades. I had to have permission to see them. And most often when I called to say, hey, can I come by and say hi? Nope, we don't want company. And part of it was my mom had Alzheimer's. My dad was the caregiver. You know, he was overwhelmed being around a lot of people, having to converse was heavy and taxing for him. He was never a people person. Um, but the other part of it was I triggered um, his wounded aspects just by being a reflector, which also gave me comfort in knowing that I was put in his life to help him heal some of those things. And he hadn't gotten it yet. But that's okay, um, even if he never does. But 
things were said over the month of my mom's end of life journey that validated I wasn't making any of this up and it wasn't like it was real one day he told the nurse the hospice nurse who was filling me in on some things my brother and dad had known from her being around for a month now um and my dad rudely stood in between the two of us and said, she has no need to know anything. And the hospice nurse said, well, I was just catching her up on what you and Mike already know. And he said, you didn't hear me. She has no need to know anything. And for the first time, later that night, I, I stood up for myself. I said to my dad, you know, earlier today, you really hurt my feelings, but in a sense, you validated what I've always known. You just made it more real. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, when you told the nurse, I had no need to know anything. And he said, I didn't say it like that. I said, yes, you did twice. And I said, and that's okay. I don't need an apology. And I'm not saying it to make you change or anything like that. I just wanted you to know that hurt. Yeah. And that was it. But I feel too that, um, there's a part of knowing you're a reflector that you're not taking this personally, mm. right? That you've become the observer in your life. You can see these things. You can detach a bit from them and know that what most people are seeing in your presence is a reflection of them. Yeah. And, and do you know, you're just talking there about your family. Do you know your family dynamic? Like, are you able to, it's very difficult. I I kind of understand yeah. that yeah. Sort of timings are always a little bit eagledy peagledy. Yeah. Do you know? Um, my mom, are you talking about their human design? Yeah. 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 My mom is um, a projector, an egoic projector, right? Um, which I don't feel like she really lived um, her unique design. She was a 5-1 projector. Now, my dad was a manifesting generator. He definitely lived as manifesting generator, but he was all in his ego and he had a lot of childhood wounds he never dealt with and healed from. Um, and even later in life, I mean, there were times he did things that were super mean and hateful at family events. And one time my, my youngest son said, mom, I don't get why we left if you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, And I was like, oh, shit, am I still playing the victim? Mm. Because yeah. a lot of times we play that role of the victim, letting that other person have that. We play that. It's sort of like codependency, right? Well, we don't know uh, any better when, when, right? Right, when our parents don't know any better and then they don't know any better. So it's just like this, this constant like feeding down through the... Mm whatever yeah. analogy I'm trying to display here with my hands flailing, <laughs> but it's just like, I, I'm hearing that from you. Like when you found this as well, when you got to this discovery in 2019 where you could, and you were doing many other things, but you yeah. could really pull it in and go, okay, I've got to take a little bit of control, not lack of, not control, but I've got to take accountability for who I am. I've got to step into this role of me and not me from what everybody else says that I should be. Is right. that correct? Absolutely. I'll tell you what's really happened from 2019 to now is um, I accepted a position and took a stroll through city council. The mayor found value in me and wanted to appoint me to an empty seat. 
I didn't win the election. Which this is 2020, right? Like we had just shut down in March of 2020, and the election was put off till June. I did not win the election. I got to see other people's hatefulness towards the mayor being projected onto me. Like there was someone at the polls badmouthing me, saying I was sleeping with the mayor, that I had more in in my mouth than his ear and like really weird, nasty stuff. And it was just like, I was so able to just observe and realize I did nothing to deserve this. This is not about me. Don't let this trigger past emotions in you. And but but it led me then to looking at everything. It caused me to write a book. It caused me to really step into all that I am and and really trust the wisdom that I do gain from observing the community, from being um, a player right in my local community being part of it being in this tribe of people and what they what they bring me because i feel like i feel like for the first time in my life like i knew how impactful covid was i'm a four six i need people four is my my need to be in the little tribes right but also being a reflector, living alone, I don't have other people activating and giving me any channels. And it's through those channels that we really start to feel and sense into a lot of what we have. I went to the coffee shop every morning to write my book. I didn't need to engage with a single person. I put on an experiment of what it was like to live my design. What if I go to the market and put myself front and center, right? With everyone else and just get fueled yeah. by their energies. Yeah. But it also set me deeper on the journey through following the, the lunar cycles and following the moon and that deeper connection that we get from the planet activations, right? As they transit through, um, there's a real gift in having that openness. For me, I... You know, you said it very well. I specialize in human behavior and specifically how it impacts our success or stagnates our results. I have the ability to hold multiple perceptions. I can talk to a boardroom of people, you know, an entire um, conference room full of C-suite executives, all with valid perceptions and opinions. And I have the ability to not have a bias and hold all of their perceptions in front of me mm. and talk with great respect and value for each one of them, right? Yeah. Whereas if I had a defined centers, I'd have my own opinions. I'd have my, right? Mm -hmm. And there's such a value in not having a bias. Yeah. To things. Yeah, there's a freedom in all of that. And knowing, I mean, it took a lot of asking big, big, huge questions. Well, how do I really feel? Mm -hmm. Taking aside society and what they think, you know, how does Donna Lee feel? Yeah. Right? Because for so many years of my life, I've lived into what society said. Mm -hmm. I'll and tell you hard. Hard. Yeah. Like, and I know, I know you're there now and I know, you know, you're feeling into that. And I, and I feel that from you as well. You can walk into situations and you just go rang because it, it, 
rang, bang. But that hasn't come easy. And deconditioning is still a huge, I'm air quoting again, deconditioning, but it's, it's literally like unraveling this past trauma of our life and who we thought we were as to who we truly are. And that resistance comes often. Yes. Here's what I believe. Um, I'm glad you brought this up because I believe that at every time we grow to a new us, we got to go through it all again. Like the, the, the conditioning shows up again and again and again, but we get better at it because we've been there before. We've done it before. There's a, there's sort of a script or a program written in our unconscious or subconscious for it now mm. to help us walk through this. But even bringing my book into businesses um, and wanting to bring them through leadership advancement training, workshop wellness, they all want to know what's my validation. Really, they want to know what my college degree is. Yeah. <laughs> And that took me a long time to get through believing and understanding. I don't need one. They think I need one, but, but I have to ask them then, well, what curriculum should I have studied and mastered in to do what I do best? Because it really is my specific coursework and studies and certifications and own working through my own issues. Yeah. That that award me the experience and knowledge to help others through this. Yeah. So what college course, you know, what master's degree should I have gotten? Right. And, and I have to really throw it back on them because this is really to me, um, growth in our spiritual nature that we, we have four intelligence systems. We have an IQ and EQ, PQ and SQ, and they're all talking and guiding us. So often in the human nature, normal is listening to your mind and making decisions based on your mind, the mental intelligence. And I realized early on that that's what got me into trouble. Thinking that other people's business mattered to me, like thinking Mm. I had to have, yeah. Like it's very hard when, when you know, um, and I've spoken with a lot of reflectors about this and I, I, and I really feel into that. It's just like, it's, <laughs> I know all this stuff, you know, and we joke about it. I know, I know this, I know this about you. I know it, I know it. And, and we can go in being mental, go in and just going, I'm just going to tell you everything that I'm thinking and not appreciating what someone may be feeling or experiencing or knowing anything about their life. That's a balance, isn't it? That's like a, that's a, oh shit. What is appropriate for me to actually share Yeah. from my headspace or should yeah. I just be waiting until my body gives me the green light to go, now is the time to say something. Can you talk into how that's felt for you? Mm. Yeah, that's probably been my biggest growth and my biggest challenge right? My biggest inner working because growing up, uh, it started in my home. You know, my dad would come into the room where us kids were playing and 
I'd be in one corner playing with my Barbies and my brothers would be fighting over in the other corner across the room. But my dad would look at me, ask me what they're doing. And I didn't know. And then I'd go to school and I didn't even raise my hand, but the teacher would call on me and expect me to know. So I thought I was to have opinions on all these things outside of me. And realizing that first and foremost, you know, I had to really connect with my heart and start listening to who I was and what was going on inside me. That was a big shift from this head thing, first of all, right? And then there was a part of where I went too far into just like kind of woo, right? I love <laughs> the woo. Talk to me yeah. about the woo. <laughs> yeah, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. Um, and, you know, there's a part of that woo that feels really good, right? Because you're loved, you're at peace, you feel joy and bliss, and you don't feel the angsts of the world, right? But you can't really live a grounded human life from there. You got to come back down and ground yourself to take off and move forward. And, to and deal action. with people who aren't in the woo and who trigger you out yeah. of the woo. Yep. <laughs> all of it. All of it. Yeah. And so that really was my greatest journey, learning that balance. But guess what? It all came because I was to write about it. I was to include mm-hmm. it in my book. I was to bring it into business, right? I was to help educate others all on what it really means, right? And we're here to have dominion over the earth. And we are the earth we're having dominion over. You know, when we're done with this body, it goes back to the earth and our spirit is eternal and goes on. So the dominion we're here to have control and power over is ourselves and not with force. Mm, no, 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 no. Not with force at all, with a flow and an ease and a grace and a guidance, right? Like, so when an emotion comes through, we should be able to sit and feel it. And observe it, breathe into it, and start to watch it dissipate mm-hmm. as it moves through us. But most of us don't. We get angst at the at the at the climax, right? And, and then we want to shove it down and stuff it down and bury it because it's causing us an uproar, right? And generally speaking, if we speak out of that emotion, it's the emotion speaking and not us. It's as if the emotion pushes you out of control. In fact, I just posted something on Facebook today because my in my book club this week, Tuesday, is the topic on emotional intelligence. Yeah. And it's funny because as we resist our emotion, the very resisting of it, not dealing with it, not letting it move through, causes it to have power over us. Oh, yeah. It, it sinks holes in us. I, I see that. Yes. So learning this was my greatest journey. And, and I can't tell anyone that there's a simple path. Your path is unique to you. Um, that's one thing I learned from human design, that we're all so beautifully, uniquely different. Yeah. But I can't tell you what's right for you. I can help evoke from you what you think you know. Yeah. Right. But I'm certainly not here to tell anybody. I'm not a directive guide or coach in any way. Um, I believe you are your greatest um, guide and teacher. 
and that you just need to learn to trust yourself. It's interesting you're just talking about emotion there before about letting the emotions sort of drive. Um, and, And you just posted something this morning. This is why I love, I love reflectors and how we kind of generally are, are on a very similar wavelength at certain times. Uh, Jung Paglo, I, I love his stuff. He talks a lot about that. And it might have been last night he shared, you know, it's more about controlling your reactions as to controlling your emotions. And mm. I loved that because I thought that's exactly true. Our emotions are never wrong. So a lot of people say control your emotions. Yeah. And especially as reflectors, we are very emotional. We're very, very sensitive. Um yes to our our life and our journey and and whatever has happened to us and generally a reflector who reacts in a certain way there's something that's led them to be there yeah and I know that for myself like as I I spoke to you before it's just like I'm adopted I have rejection issues throughout most of my life I've reacted to what's perceived as rejection I've always like just pushed people back like straight away just going oh well f you and pushed back whereas now I realize that's my trauma and that's my reaction to an emotion that I feel that I'm not good enough I'm not you know held enough or you know and I guess I I felt that from you before like when you were talking about that rejection of going I get it do you sorry to throw you in the the pit here but it's just like do you feel that have you felt that in your life too absolutely absolutely and it was it was really challenging when we're not informed when we're not aware right of how this all works like there is no course of study there is no parent that's so conscious they can walk us through this or at least there wasn't in my era right i think we're getting conscious parents now that can really help children um differently and and we're getting conscious adults to um decouple to break up consciously without hatred without the angst of i don't ever want to see you again right like lovingly kindly part ways um but i do i do totally agree that exactly what you said that when when you learn to acknowledge the emotion, what you do control is your reaction and your response, the meaning you're giving it, right? The story you're telling about it and all of that inner drama that we create around the emotion, Mm -hmm. right? For me, my greatest learning was, and I, I, I say that we all should make a date with ourselves, a date with ourselves to look at our pain, to look at our problems. Um, instead of avoiding it, you know, it's time we we schedule that in. And it's a private time, you know, whether it's a Thursday night on the couch and a candle or a bathtub and a bath, that you make a date with yourself to reflect and go inward as to what you've really been seeking in all this pain. And for me, it came one night when I said, okay, Donnelly, what is it you've really wanted from your parents, from others? And, and it was, it was a big, bold, I just want to be loved. And then came the big question. So when are you going to love yourself? Like, it's that simple. Oh my God. 
if we only knew oh isn't that bloody hard though seriously it's so easy to yeah. say oh just love yourself <laughs> you when we get so crystal clear that what we do need first mm. has to come from us because I've learned in my journey that a mentor can only take me as far as they've taken themselves. Yeah. Okay. So what that means is my parents couldn't help me with my emotions if they haven't dealt with their own. Right. Mm -hmm. My, my spouse wasn't going to be able to help me with my emotions when he wasn't dealing with his own. Right. And it's said that no one can love you more then you love yourself. And if it really all starts with us and self-love, because who are we loving but the creator? Yeah. I'm not this body. I'm a thought in the mind of God or creator or source, right? Like I'm a projection of the one mind out into form. And when we really get clear, when I got really clear on that and realized, oh, this is really all about me. My journey was all about me finding my way home. And my way home requires that I have this deep and intimate relationship with me first. Yes. And that became the inner work that I had to do. That became mm -hmm. my journey home. And it's really a lot easier to decondition when your focus is on the aim and the result you, you want, right? Because so often I, I talk with reflectors and they're blaming their spouse and they're blaming their kids and they can't find themselves in all of this, right? And when you have the, the outward focus of this is about me, loving me, finding my path home, finding my center, my safe space, my sacred self, whatever you want to call it, then you find your way back there quickly in the midst of that blame, in the midst of thinking it was someone else causing it. Um, and you you stop making it about others. It is very true, yes. And you get to give yourself permission like to let it happen sooner, faster, easier. And the more you do, the faster it happens and the easier it gets. Yeah, yes, that's very true. I think that's a huge thing for reflectors finding out there a reflector is just they can have shock or compassion they go through a myriad of emotions yeah. and then they will some not all but they will start laying blame then to everything else because they outwardly project yeah but then they realize that it all when you start to feel who you are what you're saying there in a different way it's just like when when you actually can come back in here you know you can mm -hmm. feel oh that's me that's not them. And you know how to avoid situations that are not yeah. okay. And you know how to bloody wait, like learning how to wait instead of reacting to whatever it is that comes mm. into your path, having yeah. a big deep breath and waiting. Do you find that still in your life as well, where you've just got to literally have massive big, big breaths because the digital world, like it's different especially speaking yeah. to a four, six, I have a lot of love for four sixes. They're in my orbit all the time, especially being a five, one. It's just like four sixes and five, ones seem to have this like, whoop. um, but it's, I just lost my train of thought then. Yeah. There you go. Oh, open head center. Um, completely just went. 
I think you were asking me, um, being a for sex, do I feel um, this coming home to myself and the divergence of other people? And I know as you were talking, the thought that came into my mind was COVID and how living alone, I could sit in my own space, but feel the pain of my community, feel the collective fear and worry and uncertainty going on outside my doors. And that energy wasn't even here in me, but once you, once you do find yourself and your own energy, it's very easy then to discern what's not you when you pick up other people's energy. And, and there are times I have to intentionally cleanse my my energy field, right? Like, yeah, take a pause and, and with intention, let go. Um, I feel like um, just like throughout your day, you have conversations with other people. And sometimes those conversations are to be continued. Like you don't finish them. So it sort of leaves your energy displaced out there. Yeah. Okay. So when I say, you know, coming home, it's pulling all my energy home, wherever I've had conversations with other people, wherever I've been today, um, whatever thoughts or feelings or places and spaces I've journeyed, whether real or imagined, I'm pulling those energies home. And then I'm releasing from me other people's energies right because other people leave imprints with you too mm. you know conversations that aren't continued or we're gonna we're gonna meet in three days for a dinner date or right right so we've got thoughts and connections of other people hanging on and I feel like there's a real need um, especially in reflectors first to know themselves and their energy that they're coming home to what that feels like for themselves and also to do the work when necessary. And I don't know if you want to call it cutting cords or releasing energy, but to release what isn't you. Yeah. And so often uh, I hear from other reflectors who say, but I live with my husband and my three kids and I can't get rid of their energy. And I say, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yeah. But it, it feels like it's an art, right? in and of itself well it's stepping out of that aura and i just remembered what i was going to say and if you don't mind me going back to that i was going to ask around the um you're speaking about the covid Mm. and as a four six again that's where i was going with the whole four six five one um look i'm happy to be in my own space always and forever (laughs) my body my body is first line it just Good, thanks. But COVID and the shutting down and the being more online in a 4 six space, how did that affect you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and we're dealing yeah. with text, right? So we're dealing with a lot more like typing communications, which can be misread and misconstrued. I want to I hear this, how this affected you. So... The first thing I realized was how much I needed other people and how much I was very social and out of the house. I mean, I got to see I ran the dishwasher a lot more than 
right? And then I got to see how much more toilet paper I use because I'm home all the time going to the bathroom versus out when I'm other places. And, and just little things gave me insight, but I also realized how much I needed other people. And it really didn't dawn on me until I was invited to write a chapter in a book called Rising with Resilience. And in writing that chapter, the awareness came forth that I, I had three back surgeries and a grand mal seizure in 2009. And I adopted a practice of walking every morning, no matter what. If it wasn't outside at a park near my house or on the Katy Trail with friends, or it was on my treadmill in the basement. But every morning to start my day, I did at least 30 minutes of walking. Yeah. And during COVID, I stopped. Oh. And I didn't really realize why I stopped because nothing in COVID said you couldn't go outside and walk, right? Yeah. Unless you lived here in Australia. <laughs> so sorry. Go on. Sorry. Um, I was just like, I had to throw that in there. Yeah. And, and there's truth to that. So my heart bleeds for everybody in Australia because you had it a little tougher and harder than the rest of the world. And, and we are creatures that need connection. I mean, part of being in a human experience needs a certain degree of connection and with others. So, so I realized that I'd become glued to my computer because just being on a Zoom call, just being on social media was my thread, my last living connection to other people. And I didn't want to close the laptop because I was craving needing my connection so much. And that walk was time away from it. Yes. So once that awareness came, I got to really look at it and put my my own habits and patterns back into perspective and front and center but I say we're all conditioned by COVID right yeah every one of us whether we realize it or not I talk to so many people and I bring this conversation up and they say oh no nothing changed and if it wasn't in their life it was in someone close to them my brother tells me nothing changed in his life he still went to the same job every day he didn't wear a mask he didn't nothing changed his hours nothing and um and then 10 minutes in, he's starting to talk about his wife, Jeannie. And as a first grade teacher, she was about to have a nervous breakdown. And they tried to look at buying her out of early retirement. Yeah. And she had three years to buy out. It was going to be over $100,000 to let her retire. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't do it. Yeah. And that stress, that stress, that angst was hard on him. As the breadwinner, as the, yeah. you know, he's the kind of guy who wants to fix everything, yeah. right? Make it must have a fifth one there make it easier and he couldn't (laughs) he he is a five one yeah (laughs) yes he fixes so funny you say that yeah yeah it's a scary scary time it changed us all I think it's changed and 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 I've I've seen it like I I take a little bit of a, a step back from a lot of the online stuff but you know being forced into online worlds and and having to navigate more through text is just like I know that we're coming out of that again now, but once something changes, it's always there and you feel it and you're like, oh, still struggle. I still, you know, and I, I could only imagine what it must feel like for 
and not to generalize here, I'm air quoting, but a four, six who needs to be a lot more interactive yeah. in community. But I've known other four, six reflectors who have really thrived in that environment because they're more zoom orientated. They're more connecting if ever before. So it's, I guess it depends on what your body graph has. And speaking of body graphs, if I can go into this, I've run yours. You are the first, can I say, <laughs> this makes you very special. Uh, no, you're the first um, reflector, and I've seen a lot of reflector charts. I've read a lot of reflector charts. Yours is the first that has the whole bottom empty. Mm. Let me re let me rephrase the word empty. Yeah. Open, completely open. Your your root center and your solar plexus is completely open. And I'm like, whoa! <laughs> yeah. Look at you. Yeah. Well, and if you look really deep at my chart, you'll see twenty six. Yeah, numerous times. Actually, yes. Um, I had a stellium. I had a stellium of planets in the eighth house in Sagittarius when I was born. Venus, um, Mercury, the Sun, and Saturn all hanging out together, and so that twenty six is is really uh, big for me, yeah. right? It's yeah. really big for me to get. Uh, what that means but I also have a um, I think 32 is another one that's real uh, duplicated in my chart it's good to it's actually that you mentioned this it's really good to look at like what what gates appear multiple times because you do have 26 yeah. appearing three times in your chart so it's like and when you you've already got to this point of going where is it where is it in my chart and what is that trying to say to me and you look at that planetary stuff so you were saying 32? 32. Yeah, I have quite a few um, gates that are duplicated. Is in your, yeah, your north, uh, your north node. Yeah. I love it. Have you had a reading done before? I don't look at, um, like when, you know, I, you know what I have, and I haven't been really, um, I don't, I hate to, I don't want to, you know, give bad vibes, but I had it done by John, um, who's a reflector. And it was early on and I really didn't get what I thought I'd get from the reading. I actually learned more following Karen Curry Parker, yeah. who does more of the, the quantum aspects of the design, which is more where I'm focused, yeah. right? I know the shadow aspects, but my aim is to, um, I feel like we reflectors especially are gifted at transmitting that right to the, the sacred aspect of whatever that looks like. But certainly to the gift right away so that, you know, we don't have to sit in the shadow energy of that, um, of that gate and, and suffer because really it is suffering if yeah. we do. I, I feel you there because I very much felt that as well. Like I, I learned one. So when I found this, I, I dove very deep. <laughs> um, and in, I think my second or third year, I, I, did a lot of Karen Curry and I really loved, I love the way yeah. she approached everything. It just speaks so wholesomely to my heart of, mm. because reading charts with human design language can be for like, Oh, really? You have the gate of what? You know, you just like, Bleh. I just want to, it just makes me cringe. So, yeah. Well, and I think too, um, raw, 
really never understood the reflectors as he wanted to. Like, I think he really never got deep enough into it. He focused on the shadow aspects because he thought that's what was resonating with people to decondition. Yeah. And because reflectors were such a rare breed and he didn't have interaction with many of them, like he did the other types, I do feel like um, he wasn't the best gauge for reflectors to go to for the work. Yes. That was my personal opinion. So don't. Uh, we we all feel that. it. I think that's that's. I think that's why there's this this louder voice coming out and just going, if 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 someone's going to teach us how to do this, it's us teaching us and guiding and and being very very kind and compassionate because, as we've just spoken about, we've all got this journey, this this life journey that's led us, yeah. and it's not just about going. You need to decondition and not think this way. It's just like well hang on a minute, I've got 20, 30, 40 years of, of shit that I've got to, it's not as easy as just going, click your yeah. fingers and it's all over. It's just like, it takes time. Yeah. It takes time. And, and I'm very much a, can, can we just all be kind? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Your shit, my shit, her shit, his shit. It's just all like, wow. You know, after the city council um, stroll, I call it a stroll because it was the shortest job of my life. I never applied for it and I never resigned and I was only there six months. But ever since then, I have sat on the Human Relations Commission, which is a human rights commission in my city. And it's all about bringing belonging and diversities front and center that we're all equal, right? Mm -hmm. All cultures, all race, all genders. And while there's people on this board who are LGBTQ, Q plus and feel like they're the only ones with wounds. And then there's blacks who feel like everybody's racist and against them. And they're the only ones with wounds. You know, here I am from the human design perspective, we all have a wound. Yes. We all have a wound. It's part of being in a human experience. Human design shows us that you don't need to be a reflector to have a wound or LGBTQ or change your gender, change your, or be brought up black or, right? We don't have to be a minority or different. We all have a wound. Yes. And I think that becomes the greatest awareness. Not that I need to be the teacher or preacher of it, but that's what I hold near and dear in my heart when I interact and engage with others that we're all equals. I'm no better than you. I I have greater awareness and maybe greater compassion and empathy because I have done the work. Yeah. And I have studied human design, but it's helped me know human behavior. It's helped, right? It's helped me in businesses deal with what I call the five D's of dysfunction. In the United States, we're dealing with massive departures. We call it the great resignation. Yeah. Then we're dealing with disengagement and now they've labeled that quiet quitting. And I say, but it's all because your people are dissatisfied yeah. and they're distracted. And all of this is causing massive division within your organization. And that's hard for anyone to work in and amongst. Very, I like that five days. Of dysfunction. <laughs> 
Yeah. But, but the thing is, we have to address them. And I feel like human design is like the cutting edge of what's about to roll out and go forward to help other people raise awareness to how uniquely beautiful you are. Yes. Yeah. And how uniquely special everyone else is as well. And how they all aid us, right? Like you help me shine. I help you shine. We are all here to help one another be beautiful humans and own all aspects of ourselves. I love that. Thank you. Donnelly, how can people reach out and chat with you further? My website is complete-solutionsllc.com. And I wrote a book. It's called Bringing Spirituality into Business. It's actually a guide to know yourself, grow yourself, and live life empowered. So it's it's all this inner work that we do. And I call them soft skills because it's all about learning to listen to ourselves and communicate better with ourselves and have that intimate relationship. And it all starts in here with you. So, yeah, reach out to me. Um, you can find me at Donnelly360.com or on my website or on social media. Thank you. Thank you so very much for this chat. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you um, waiting a year. Not waiting. That's not right. <laughs> we were going to have this chat a year ago. And when I reached out to you and said, oh, yes, hello. <laughs> and you were Everything like, oh, my God, happens. one year. Everything happens in divine time. It does. Thank you so very much, beautiful soul. And I look forward to being in your being in your orbit again. I agree. Me too. Thank Bye. you, Annie. Bye-bye.